There we go. We're working with it. And then I'm going to figure out how to switch those mics. It'll be so great. So I did give you some questions. Okay. Like I said, it'll just be more, you know, you telling my, telling your story, telling my story, telling your story. <laughs> I'm going to pull them up just so that at least I'm kind of going on what I told you I would tell, talk to you about. Uh, but if you just want to talk to like just as much as you feel comfortable with, like I said, to why you have Phoenix and kind of your role at the YMCA. Perfect. So, um, Phoenix, I started looking for a service dog around last October because I have panic disorder and PTSD. So I have a hard time going into public spaces. So I, during the pandemic, I was not able to go into any store without having a severe panic attack and not being able to breathe. So I looked into getting medication. I looked into service dogs. Um, fun fact, the typical service dog takes anywhere from three to eight years on a waiting list and about $40,000 to get. What? Yep. <laughs> so oh okay. I have a degree in psychology focusing on child development and behavioral psychology. So I decided to training children is very similar to training dogs. Um, and I got her as a 12 week old puppy. Someone said they had an extra golden doodle that someone half paid for and didn't pick up. And I picked a golden doodle specifically because she's hypoallergenic. Um, so she won't hinder any other, any child or any other person with her presence. So no one can be allergic to her and they are one of the smartest breeds. So I got lucky and I got her, someone didn't pick her up, thank God. Um, so I got her half off and at 12 weeks old and we started training um, from there and I started taking her to places, um, to stores, to weird, fun sounding. She went up against a, uh, one of those inflatable like movie fan people Oh yeah. yeah, tube yeah. men. They're called inflatable flailing tube men, just so you know. <laughs> another fun fact. <laughs> yes, another fun fact. Amazing. So I took her to as many of those as I could. We took her to water. We worked on her with socialization, and I taught her all of the basic commands like sit, down. She does not know the word stay. We don't use the word stay. But I taught her everything um, and sent her to a service dog facility to have her task trained. So she learned how to do deep, deep pressure therapy, which is where she will go and put her paws on my uh, thighs, and then she will lean against my chest. Wow. And then if I have a really bad panic attack, she will actually sit on my legs and put her paws on my chest wow. so that even more weight is being put on me. And what that does is with deep pressure therapy, when people are having issues breathing, it helps first as a distraction for the person so it stops behavior so if you're a self-harmer or like if you're a picker because a lot of people who have panic disorder pick so i just can't breathe um so it stops that because she's getting in your face and being like hi i'm here pay attention to me yeah. <laughs> and then the sheer pressure from her weight on your chest keeps it from rising fully okay. so you can't actually hyperventilate because your chest can't expand the full way so she's trained to do that. She's also trained to notice when I'm about to have a panic attack. Yep, she's trained to notice that and she will nudge my hand aggressively until I <laughs> calm it down. So she's also trained to distract. Um, 
I've taught her a few other commands, but those are the commands she was taught at the service dog facility place. She was there for two weeks. She finished training, and then she's been working with me since March 6th of um, 2021. So we've been together for six months, and since then I've trained her on a lot of new commands. So that's the story of how I got Phoenix and why I chose Phoenix. <laughs> that is there like ongoing training that goes on for service dogs you can continue training you can never stop teaching yeah, <laughs> you can so never stop true. learning same as people yeah so wow i love that story love that she was half <laughs> off <laughs> it was great <laughs> uh, is so did you have to get her certified is that the training like that or like what does being a service dog mean Okay, so things that a lot of people don't know. Another fun fact, let's go with that. Um, so a service dog is a animal, usually a dog, sometimes like a small horse if the person's allergic to dogs or another type of animal, but they are generally dogs and they are task trained. They must be task trained in at least three tasks and they must have a certain amount of hours of training and they are specifically trained to a person. So she will not, a therapy dog is trained to help everyone, whereas a service dog is trained for a specific human to do tasks. And ESA, so an emotional support animal, has no training. They're just given a certificate that they are there to help you calm down. They don't have any rights, um, whereas a service dog has federal rights in order to get into public spaces, but there's no cert certificate. So a lot of times people are unaware that a service dog does not have a certificate because they've asked me for a certificate. I'm like, I can get one off Amazon if you'd like, but a service dog does not need certification. They just have to go through the training and you have to have proper documentation that you need a service dog. Um, I have her records on me at all times. So I have a prescription for her. I have diagnoses and then she has all of her certificates for health that is kept on her. But her task that she is trained to do is identify panic attacks, do deep pressure therapy, and she also wakes me up oh. because my medication causes me to sleep too heavily. So, uh, wow. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that because I was mm -hmm. thinking between like emotional support dog and like a yep. service dog. That's kind of where that question was going to. So yep. you understood my question. <laughs> a lot of people think that if they get an emotional support dog certificate, yeah. that they can take their animal with them just for funsies. Um, so I've always told people, I'm like, it's not all that fun taking a dog with you everywhere. You have to think about the environment. You have to think about where you're going to park, where you're going to go to the bathroom. Do you have water? Do you have this? Do you have this, this, and this? Is it allowed? Do the people know that you're coming? And you also have to realize that people are people and it is a federal offense to distract a service dog. You can go to jail for it and pay a really hefty fine, but people don't know that, so they like to try to do the kissy face or, here Phoenix, what's your dog's name? Or touch her. So we are teaching everyone, we come in contact about how to properly t handle a service dog and be in their presence. Yeah, so tell me how all of that information comes to the why. So obviously they had to know that you had this service dog and kind of what you could do with them. So how did you come from Tennessee and come to this YMCA with Phoenix? So at my other YMCA, um, she, you have to fill out specific paperwork and ask, ask for um, an accommodation, it has to be approved. Um, in Tennessee, they 
tested um, at my one job. I worked at two jobs. I worked at Starbucks and they actually put her through a test where um, they had her make sure she was going to be okay to listen and be in her commands, etc. So she passed that and then for the why, all I had to do was provide my documentation that I always have on me and then they made a reasonable accommodation with the school district because I worked inside a school in a cafeteria and then with the Y and then she was given this really awesome name tag with her picture on it. So when I moved here, all I had to do was contact HR and talk to them about, hey, just so you know, I have a service dog. She's already worked for the Y. Can we make a reasonable accommodation? And I'm the only person they've ever had who's asked. So they... It was a new learning experience for all involved. So we got her here. Everyone loves her, but yeah. I love that she has that picture <laughs> on her, um, on her jacket. Do you call it a vest, a jacket, like a service? Like This is a vest. Okay. Um, she actually, her new harness will be here next week. I got her a mobility harness. If you ever see a blind person or someone who has mobility issues, it has that rigid handle and I ordered her a handmade one from Italy as a birthday gift um, for her for her first birthday. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so it's actually gonna be really awesome, pink like tie-dye and leather, and that will be here on Wednesday, but hers is a vest currently with the tags. Um, her harness will have the mobility handle, so when we go and drive the bus or we go into parking lots, she knows how to act, but people don't see her. So in parking lots, I don't leash my dog, so it's easier to have a handle. So she's not, I don't need her for mobility, but the handle's really great to have for walking across parking lots where there's really big cars. And she's, she's a big dog, but she's not that big. <laughs> yeah, she's not big enough for a car to see. <laughs> so. Uh, so tell me a little bit more, you've said a couple of times, like people are people. So what are you teaching the kids at the YMCA? What is kind of your curriculum? What's What's your purpose in, in having, talk about your class. Okay, so everywhere I go, no matter what child, person, activity I'm doing, I always make it a point to teach about diversity and that people have differences. You may not see them, you may not understand them, you may not know it, but everyone is a human being and everyone has something. Whether it be a learning disability, they might have autism, might have Down syndrome, they might just have PTSD, like it's incredibly common, or they might have had a traumatic life. So as people, we need to understand that everyone is different, everyone has something, and we treat everyone the same. So I try to make sure all of the kids understand that we treat everyone as a human. And so with my dog, it makes it really visible to the children to help open their minds to understand that people have differences and it's not polite to go, hi, what's wrong with you? Why do you have a dog? <laughs> because that's incredibly common. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, it's not nice to ask what's wrong with you. So in my classes, I'm gonna move this quickly. I have, Phoenix is fine. I post this, you probably saw it when you walked in. Yes. So this is her service dog poster. And we use this so that people just see before they enter that there is a dog. And it shows you the rules, so please respect my space. I am working, do not um, touch, distract, or feed. So this is what I do at first, so everyone is like, oh, okay, there's a dog. Um, it's more so for the parents. 
And then for the kids, I have, hi Phoenix, I'm gonna move my chair. I am so sorry. So for classes, uh, when I first meet a new group of kids or just I at least try to do like 20 minutes at the beginning um, with one of my favorite, one of my books, I have, if I see a service dog book, I buy it. <laughs> so I'll read them a story like this one's Ranger. It's about a soldier with PTSD. Um, these are my favorite. So Tuesday has like four books. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to get all of them. But this soldier has PTSD, and this one is like the most accurate to what is what I have. So this is the one I usually use, and it has kids. Um, the kids understand it better because it has pictures, and they're real life pictures. So he was a veteran and has few diagnoses like I do. So these are my two favorite, and I read those. There's also yeah. Um, there's also the dog in the dentist chair, so sometimes they have service. I teach about all types of service dogs, not just mine. So I usually read one of my favorite books, like the Gus. This one's for like little littles. <laughs> um, Mocha. Clarice is good for really tiny kids. Um, this one's Why is that doggy in the store? <laughs> so it teaches kids about like if you see a dog in a store, they're in there for a reason. So this one's great. Um, Casper's really good for small kids. Again, with the real pictures, I like the real picture ones. And it shows like the, how they become a service dog from start to finish. Um, Rescue and Jessica, my most read one. She was in Boston Marathon and lost both her limbs, uh, both her legs, and has a service dog named Rescue, and her name is Jessica. So this one's really great for older kids. But I always try to incorporate a book, and then when I'm done reading the book, I have coloring pages, and I usually just copy pages from here, and the kids can color a page. Um, we try to, we have a learning channel on YouTube where I read a book with Phoenix. <laughs> so we read the book, we do a coloring page, and then I talk about what Phoenix does, and the commands she knows, and I usually do a demonstration of what she does. And they're always incredibly entertained by it. <laughs> yeah, I would be too. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I had no idea that there was that much, like, just content and content for children out there like oh, yeah. that. So just that box of books over there is amazing. I mean, I how it. better way to teach kids these, mm -hmm. these things. So what do you, what is one thing that you hope that kids get out of your lesson in your class? Um, first off, obviously, how to be in a room with a service dog. And they've all gotten, I've not really ever had children want to teach them how to properly work with a service dog, ever do anything that I've said not to. Like, they don't distract her. They really, really honor the fact that she's a working dog and they grow and love her so much. They even, 
these kids have made songs about her. It's precious. <laughs> and so I just hope that every kid realizes that kids and adults and everyone has something. We don't know anyone's background. We don't know what people are going through. And it's just a lot easier if we, nice and kinder, if we just treat everyone like they're our friend and we are there for everyone. So I hope kids learn that even though it doesn't look like you have a disability, like I'm not blind, I'm not deaf, I'm not in a wheelchair, but I do have a disability and it's not visible. So kids will learn from her how to be accepting. Can you talk to you a little bit more about why the why is your place of work for this as a youth development place? That's, you know, part of our mission is being for youth development. So can yeah. you talk a little bit to your why journey? So my why journey, um, I actually was in school to be a psychologist and um, I needed to do an internship. And back in Tennessee, they had the counselor position listed as an internship. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this internship while I work at Starbucks because they paid for my college. And I'm like, I'm going to work here and it's going to be over in six months and woohoo, got it. Um, well, then the why kind of like got into my heart and that was not the case. So after my six month internship, I ended up staying on as a part time counselor and working with kids because I've never worked with kids before. I have two kids, but I've never worked with kids before. There's a there is a difference. <laughs> There's a big difference. But I've worked food service. I've been management for a decade. Like, I've done everything but kids. <laughs> so I started with the kids and I loved them so much. And seeing, I worked with a lot of kids with um, disabilities and like I had a lot of kids with autism, a lot of kids in the foster system. And I just, they connected so deeply with my soul <laughs> that I just needed to be there longer. So. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this and work at Starbucks. So I did both and I was only part time and I actually changed what I wanted to do with my life because of the why. So originally I wanted to be a psychologist and now then I was like, okay, I really like working with kids. I'm going to be a teacher. So I was like, all right, I can keep my degree in psychology and just get certified to become a teacher and teach. But then the why <laughs> attacked my heart again. <laughs> and they needed an assistant director um, at another site in Tennessee. And I was like, all right, let's move up. Let's do it. So with that school, there was a lot of kids in foster care. And those are the kids that connect really deeply with my past. So I wanted to help kids. So I started doing that and I started working there um, as an assistant director. And I loved it so much that I actually wanted to be a director. So I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology with focusing on child development and behavioral psychology and was then in a position to be promoted. But in Tennessee, they didn't have any positions available. And I graduated from ASU. <laughs> so yeah, I went online and I came here in May to graduate and walk and then they ended up canceling the um, the graduation but I still came and I love Phoenix so much it's funny because my dog's name is Phoenix and I loved it so much so I was like all right I'm gonna apply in Arizona and three months later they called and they're like hey do you want to have an interview and I'm like yes yes I do so had an interview got hired as the director of childcare here at Northwest Valley and love it but it has actually changed the trajectory of my entire life 
not just my career, because I went from wanting to be a psychologist to now my goal in five-ish years is to become like some sort of teacher with the Y higher up as like for inclusion and diversity. I think Jason said the executive director of inclusion and diversity so that I could teach staff how to deal with diagnoses and children with disabilities and differences and just teach everyone who becomes part of the Y as a team to handle other people's issues. Because no matter what position you are, whether it be front desk, whether it be childcare, you are going to come in contact with someone with a difference. And I wanna eventually be on the front lines of training our staff to understand and how to cope with people in general, because people come with people problems. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. That is amazing. And the mm. fact that like that is a potential position for you in the future, like I think, I mean, every place needs that, right? And I strongly believe just the more you get to know people and understand that these differences occur, like the more mm -hmm. that you have grace, the more that you understand, the more that you can connect with those people. So like that makes me so happy that that's like, where you're going with that? Like I have chills. I <laughs> like it's so special. Um, the other thing I was thinking of when you were talking is just like that relatability piece, and like I think that's so huge, especially when it comes to child development. Is like if you have your own experiences and just being able to give back to that experience or just give back to the children of the knowledge that you've gained, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I am a strong believer of that relatability piece. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Anyway, now I'm babbling. This is your story. So <laughs> let me um, just check if there is anything else that I told you I would ask. Um, I know you've touched on most of them anyway. Um, what are you doing? Are I'll you just excited? ask this in a different light anyway, but what meaning has teaching kids about invisible and visible disabilities brought to your life? So that actual teaching aspect. Knowing that I'm teaching children to be able to be accepting to others. I don't know if you've ever seen kids on a playground. <laughs> or really in general when they're playing together, they tend to not understand. Or if you see a child who is introduced to someone with a visible disability, they tend to stare. So for me, working with kids and teaching them how to be accepting and how to be understanding and how to even be helpful with people who are different than them makes me feel so much better because I'm providing these children who will grow into adulthood with something that most people don't have. And most people don't understand that disabilities are not chosen. No one chooses to have something wrong with them. No one chooses to suffer a trauma. No one chooses to be abused. Like, no one chooses that. In their right mind, no one would choose that. So I'm providing these kids with knowledge on how to live in a society where we are just so open to everything and it's so changing and now we are actually readily talking to people and people are being diagnosed with more things so we are seeing as a society that people have issues yeah. and we're trying to open up the mental health department area and make it more of a thing that is accepted instead of like oh you crazy <laughs> So I'm providing, it makes me feel so great to know that these kids, even if they worked with me for one day or a year or a week, I, they've learned something from me. 
they I have had an impact on their life that is lasting and will be there for all eternity because who's gonna forget that they worked with this adorable dog? And so I'm providing knowledge and grace to human beings for the future. Uh-huh. And that's such a good point too of like, children remember certain things that stand out mm-hmm. and like that is one thing that, I mean, if I had that experience, I would remember that for sure. Be like, oh, you remember that, like, that service dog that we worked with? How cool. And they love to share their knowledge with people. Like when we go in public, my kids are like, she's a service dog, you can't touch her, or they'll tell their parents. So not only with working with these children who are at Northwest Valley with me, because I'm the only person working for the Y who has a service dog, so they are incredibly lucky, but I'm lucky too, because now I get to spread the word about differences, and I'm touching the hearts of these children, and the people I work with, and the members who come in to work out, And also, all of the people they talk to, because generally, they're going to be like, hey, I I got to see this really cool dog today. (laughs) So they're going to share about it, and then people will be even more understanding. So. I really think that this keeps going off every time it does that little clicky thing. I have two more questions for you. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like, you don't usually record this long on your camera. It's because I talk a lot. No, I... Love it. That's why I <laughs> want to hopefully turn this into a podcast. So lots of great information and just empowering stories. So, um, how do you think that this conversation has changed over the past like five years? So there's more topics about mental health, and um, you're bringing more light to this. How do you think it would have been having this conversation like five years ago? Oh, five years ago, um, you would have been like crazy person with a dog. <laughs> Um, so in the last five years, and because I have my background in psychology, it is growing that people are accepting. Um, before, if you had a mental health issue, whether it be you have depression, you have uh, postpartum depression, like no matter how fleeting that moment of mental illness is, it still happened. Everyone in their lifetime is a proven fact. At least, I think it's one in every five per- people has some sort of mental health illness throughout their lifespan. So that could be PTSD, that could be um, oppositional defiance disorder, that could be depression, that could be wanting to self-harm, that could be a numerous amount of things, and everyone deals with that. And I think because the vast, we're now willing to speak up to the fact that everyone experiences this, like if you lost someone, yes, you're going to be sad. Sometimes that depression sticks with you. Sometimes when you're pregnant, you get postpartum depression, which is actually what happened to me originally. So it's not your fault. And it's so common, but we're unwilling to talk about it in the past. And now we're more willing to, like even in doctor's offices, they will ask you like, hey, how are you feeling in this? Are you sad? What is happening? Do they do the best job? No. Um, But we're still growing in that area because no one wants to be like, hey, I have this disorder because people will still look at them and be like oh you a little crazy (laughs) but your mental health is part of your body your your brain your heart is part of your body it should be no different than going in for your annual checkup like you want to check that your body's okay your brain is still part of your body 
your mental health is part of your body. You need to make sure that is a priority. So it's becoming even more common for people to be like, hey, I'm going to the psychiatrist. Hey, I'm going to a psychologist, a therapist, a counselor. Like you have the feelings, get them out because you're only helping yourself by getting the help you need. So in the last five years, it's gone from I'm a crazy person to I have four diagnoses and I'm willing to speak up about it because I want others to know that it's okay. It's okay to have a difference. It's okay to put your head and your brain and your mental health first. It's not, it's not shaming. Like I always tell, I tell kids I have a breathing problem because they don't quite realize what it is. So I say a breathing problem, but I really have four diagnoses. It's because I lived a traumatic life. Like any sort of issue that a child could have gone through, I went through. So trauma is a huge factor too. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that like, I commend you for being able to speak up about it too. Cause I mm-hmm. feel like that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people is mm-hmm. being able to speak about their experiences to help others. So I love that. And I think it's so inspiring that you're doing that. I guess just on the flip side, my last question is being like, where do you think this conversation will be in another five years? I'm hoping that in five years, it will not be even thought about as being like a weird thing. Um, It'll be something that people just normally talk about. Like, hey, how's your health? But like, how's your mental health? Like, how are you doing with this? How are you coping with this issue? Like, and seeing children Children in the foster care system, children who are taken away from their families, children who are malnourished or hungry, they suffered a trauma. It is a lasting part of their life. They will have issues from that issue their entire life. So if we realize it now and we're able to then in five years talk to these kids about how to handle it and how to cope with it and how to become better from it, I think it's just so helpful. Um, But I'm hoping in five years that it just isn't a thing that we even mention. Well, you're pulling at my heartstrings right now, so I'm just, I'm grateful that you're here at the Y and that you're helping these kids. I mean, mental health is a passion of mine, and I haven't quite found my fit of how I can Mm -hmm. do work in it, too. So I'm hoping that myself and others will find that fit of how we can make make that difference or, you know, just influence how Mm -hmm. this is talked about. So I am so grateful for you to be here and for talking to me, so... And I love meeting Phoenix, and this was just wonderful (laughs) to hear your story. And obviously, there's plenty more to your story, and I'm grateful for what you've shared with us here. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. I am the face of advocating for mental health and disabilities. Um, You know what documentary I just watched yesterday, actually, was Heal. Hmm. Um, And it talks a lot about how, I mean, it's more of the... Um, autoimmune disorders and cancers and things like Mm -hmm. that but how your mental health can heal those and not be on strong medications or you know so it was I would recommend heal also that brought up a thing in my head so not only people with like just traumas there's also people who have like cancer like my mom has brain cancer or people who are in the military like they have all of these things and we need to make it more accessible for them to get help and be more understanding of it. But that is a really, I'm going to watch that. There is also another thing um, about service dogs. It is a series called Pick of the Litter. Okay. 
it's on Netflix, and it shows, it's really great for kids, it shows how a service dog is chosen and how they decide which path the dog will take. Cute. But I'll it's really adorable. That. My kids love it. I'll have to watch that. How are your kids with your dog? Like, cause how old are your kids first? I have, they actually, my, my older one had a birthday yesterday, and my younger one has a birthday next Monday. <laughs> so they are two years a week and 30 minutes apart. Oh but my little one is four. She'll be five next week. And the big one just turned seven yesterday. And they, the little one is just like, oh, okay. You take your dog to work. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, the big one understands more of like, hey, she's a service dog. And she always tells her friends and teachers and like people she meets. She's like, this is my mom's service dog. You can't touch her. Oh. It's, sorry, hiccup. It's like, you can't touch her. <laughs> or like. So it's adorable. They've embraced it. They realize they can't pet her. She's not allowed to eat while she's working. Like they realize this. They know she can't have people food. Yeah. They realize that I have a difference and they've actually become really understanding of my difference. That's amazing. So with Phoenix and I've only had her since March. Well, I've had her since November and I trained her, but she's been working with me every single day of my life for the last six, seven months. And my kids have realized like, hey, mom needs a little extra help in certain areas so if I wake up late they're like it's okay it's not your fault mom don't be upset it's not your fault we're not mad at you for making us late to school <laughs> they realize that it's something I can't control so it's made them more able to see and help people who are having issues like anyone's crying near my kid I promise you they're gonna come up to you and be like what's wrong do you need a hug <laughs> all of both of them were like oh, can I help you See, more kids need to be like that, so I'm so glad you're doing that here and just getting that, like, nurturing part in these kids, and maybe it'll take away bullying someday, too. So. Oh, yeah, bullying, also another trauma. I was yeah. also really bullied as a kid. <laughs> but, yeah, I well, if we could get rid of bullying and if we yeah. could get rid of the stigma behind mental health disorders and just differences, even if it's not mental health, like people who are missing a leg, like... We shouldn't stare at them. If we can just be an accepting human race and accept people for being people and respect them, no matter what color, what disability, what difference they have, if they were born that way, if it happened, if it was a trauma, if we can just be accepting of that, this would be so great. It would be so great. <laughs> we would have so much great. less issues too. Right, great point to end on, to turn this off. Uh, No, that was amazing and your story I so I don't think my brain's working correctly because I'm like I want to go back and get my PhD in sports psychology <laughs> <laughs> clearly it's not not working right now but just I wish I did more in the psychology realm of things it's so cool um even the social work aspect too I did a lot of social work classes cool. and I actually took half of my okay so technically um I should have a or um, 